What up, world? I go by the name of Jabari. Another Monday, another Words with Friends podcast. You guys know if you like the podcast, if you're enjoying all these entrepreneurs, artists, all these special guests I have, you can go to patreon.com, patreon.com slash Jabari, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Jabari, and you can leave as little as a $1 tip for the Words with Friends podcast. That's how we ensure it keeps going. I keep getting these cool people on and talking to you guys as frequently as possible. All right, we got a special edition, another traveling one. I'm down in Miami, and this person is just, she's one of those people that if you don't know her and you come to Miami and you're in any sort of remote part of the entertainment business and you don't know this woman, I don't know what's wrong with you. I don't know, you're crazy, like, you're living under a rock. You're, you're just, you just are not in tune with what's really going on in MIA, yo. All right, so without further ado, I've got Jules Goddard. What's up, Jules? Hey, hey. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Um, man, there's so much I want to talk to you about. But first, introduce yourself to the people. Let them know what you do. What's up? What's up, people? I'm Yes Jules. Um, I don't know why it's always such a hard question for me to answer. <laughs> yeah. But I guess in, in layman's terms, I'm a director of vibes. I like Easily that. Put. Yeah, yeah. I like mm-hmm. that. It's a very, it's a very easy uh, Twitter and Instagram bio. Exactly. It's a nice <laughs> cop out. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot involved with what I do. Um, I curate, produce, host events, parties, and brand activations. Um, I consult. I uh, break new music on the scene here. Uh, you know, so you know, I work as an A and R sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like you know, kind of just. Anything that has to do with the culture and what's going on in hip-hop and nightlife um, for us, people like you and I, and the people listening to this, most likely, um, I'm involved in it. Yeah. You know, uh, tell me about your upbringing, Jules. I know you're from Tampa. Um, It's crazy you just asked that question. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so I'm from, I was born in Miami, Mm -hmm. and I was raised a little bit everywhere, but uh, I think when people ask you where you're from... The answer should always be like, where'd you go to high school? You know what I mean? Because those are the years that we that we really cultivate who we are yeah. at the core. So I went to high school in the few years that I went to college for in Tampa. Um, so I guess I'm from Tampa. Okay. That's an easy way to say. Now you said the few years you went to college. What were you studying there? Broadcast journalism. Okay. Now when you when you were let's talk about high school, right? Because these are formative years. How did you grow up? Siblings, uh, big family, or what? So I am adopted, and I was adopted at nine um, into a family that had a young boy already who was older in the family than me because mm. they had been with him for a year but younger than me. So he's about to turn 18 now. Okay. Um, and I have my mom and my dad. And then um, when I turned 18, I got back in contact with my family, my birth family, and uh, mostly my, my mother's side of the family, not really my father's side. So... With that, I contacted my sister, found out she wasn't too far away. She was like 12 at the time, and um, she wasn't really happy where she was, so she came to live with us. And so it was kind of cool. It was like a little reunion. And uh, as she came to live with us, I was leaving the house to go to college. Mm. So she was more so with my family than me. And, um, you know, I kind of hit the ground running and never looked back after I left home. So I went to college, got engaged. Um... My sister was living with my mom, being bad, running away, not really wanting to be there because she didn't know those people much. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so that, that was like a 
it's a crazy story. Um, but I, I'm taking, I, you just caught me taking a nap because uh, Norma and I were working on putting Best Day Ever together for December. Mm-hmm. Or trying to decide if whether or not that's a movie we want to make. And um, I'm going, I just went to a psychic today and uh, got a really crazy reading that blew me away. And the first thing the psychic said to me when I walked in, and I still have the marks on my hands actually, mm-hmm. uh, she kind of marked me up with pen as she told me my story. But this line right here, it was the first line she made, and it was, What's up with your father? Mm. And in my head, I'm like, what dad is she talking about? Like, I don't really know what she's talking about with father because I don't really think about my father much. Um, But when I moved to Miami, I moved here two years ago. And this past year, like maybe five months ago on Facebook, my father's side of the family wrote me. Mm. And it was a sister. And I didn't even know I had any sisters on his side. And she was like, hey, I think I'm your sister. By the way, you have like 11 other brothers and sisters. And we all live right here in Miami. And we want to meet you. Can we grab lunch? And I was like, whoa. You know, and then she was like, half of your brothers and sisters live with your dad. Um, and that was kind of crazy because I didn't even know he was still alive. So it's a long story. Uh, but long story short, the sidekick told me that everything in my life is very good. And she sees lots of money and lots of success and all these great things. But that in order for all those great things to happen, I need to balance my chakras. Mm-hmm. And that the only way I can balance my chakras is if I know who I am. In which I thought I did know who I was. But she pointed out to me in very, very crazy detailed ways that I don't know who I am. Yeah. And that the only way to really tie those last missing pieces to the puzzle together is if I go meet my father. So I called my sister like an hour ago. And I was like, hey, what are you doing? I want to meet dad and she's like okay well what about tonight and I was like all right so I was kind of mentally exhausted so I told Norma like yo can we just take a break on working on the pool party and take a nap yeah and she was tired anyway so she was like cool let's go nap time (laughs) so we were napping when you guys and and so but so are you going to now meet your father after this yeah I'm gonna my sister's picking me up in an hour to take me to him. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, so it's funny. I mean, <laughs> so, wow. I mean, I've come at a very crazy time in your life. Um, very. It's, it's, you know, I always like to ask about how people grow up, though, because I think so much of that has to do with, you know, the person that you are and the person that you're becoming. You know, your life experiences are what make you. And you being such a social person, I wonder... I wonder about you, Is it have you always been social, or is that something that you felt like you developed, uh, you know, as you got a little older? I think I had to learn, I have a whole theory on this, um, and I'm just starting to develop it this year, as, as I, this has been the most exponential year of growth for me in my life, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm learning a lot of things about people, and myself, and, and the industry, and I've learned that, um, I've always been this person since I was, you know, like four years old. I've been networking, Mm. right? And I've been doing that because I've been, as a foster child, you you move from family to family or foster home to foster home. And you learn, you either don't learn or you learn quickly, sink or swim. So in order to swim, you have to know how to make friends. Yeah. Because you need friends you need to get along with the people in your in your home that you're living at. You need to make the parents that you're around like you because maybe they'll keep you. Or, you know, make your siblings that are in the house like you because then they can convince the parents to keep you or whatever the case may be. Um, 
So I think at a young age, I learned how to socialize and, and kind of read people and see what they want and deliver it to them. And that's translated into me being great at what I do today. Mm, so wow. yeah. from being the new girl in school, moving around, even when I, when, I, when I was adopted and I was just being a bad kid, getting kicked out of schools, I would go to a new school and I would make friends fast and then, you know, go to a new job and make friends fast. So it's always been something I've been good at doing. Um, and I definitely think that it taught me how to hustle. Mm -hmm. It's almost like uh, you had this education from a very young age at how to do what you're doing now, but not in the formal setting at all, but just in like, you know, life and, and normal experiences. That's, and I think that is... I don't is, think uh, it could be taught. Yeah, a lot of it can't be, absolutely. Um, you know, talk about moving to... Well, talk about, yeah, you know, college and did you did you have any idea of what you wanted to do professionally? Like, you know, a lot of people go to college. I and, thought I was going to be a famous singer by now. Okay, yeah, because I was going to say a lot of people, they go to college with one idea of this is what I want to do. I kind of want to major in this. And then usually in the middle of college, something just like, they're like, I don't know what I want to do yeah, in my definitely life. You know, and they get me. lost. Yeah, so tell me a little bit about that. Uh, growing up, I always did, when, when my family did adopt me, they wanted to make sure that they gave me all the tools necessary to uh, be creative and, and try to figure out an avenue to put all my whatever emotions I had bottled up into. Mm -hmm. So I did like musical theater, voice lessons, acting lessons, singing lessons. So piano lessons, dance class, like, you know, all performance arts. Mm -hmm. So um, I was performing since I was eight or nine, nine. Um, until, you know, high school, I kind of slowed it down, but I, I always stuck with chorus up okay. until I graduated. Um, so I always thought by the time I was 18, I would be like popping, like I'd be like the next Britney Spears or Mariah Carey, whoever I was idolizing at the time. Mm -hmm. And then I turned 18 and I never stopped believing, but then I turned 18 and I was like, oh shit, I'm not a famous singer. Like I got to go to college. Like okay, so what am I going to do, you know? Yeah. And um, Real life hits. Yeah, real life hits, and I realized, like, okay, I'm getting kind of old now. And then I started looking at people in the career paths that I thought I wanted to take, and I'm like, oh, well, this person was a reporter at this age, and, oh, well, maybe I could be the next Oprah. And I just learned broadcast journalism, and it doesn't matter if I get fat or old or ugly because I can always be a broadcast journalist at any age. It just depends on when I make it, you know? Mm-hmm. So I went to school for that. I did like a internship with a local show. Um, we competed with Univision, or it was it was like so Univision competes with Telemundo. So okay. I was on Univision, which is like a bilingual station, yep. which is funny because I speak a little bit of Spanish, but I'm not really bilingual at all. Um, but we did like sports broadcasting, mm. so it was cool because I got to interview athletes. I went to the Super Bowl. I did all kinds of cool stuff, and. Um, I also, at that point, had made a lot of friends, and um, clubs started reaching out to me to, like, come and take a table at their club and bring my friends for free, um, and I'm like, oh, shit, not only could I get into a club when I'm only 18, and it's a nice club that's 21 and up, but I could bring my friends and drink for free, like, win-win. Mm. Then I started going and realizing that my table was the best table in the club, so I'm like, they're going to need to start paying me for this. And slowly but surely, by the time I was 19, I was one of the biggest promoters in Tampa and was running the VIP and managing the clubs 
um, by the time I turned 20. So as you probably could imagine, being in the business yourself, I was making a lot of money and kind of forgot about in, interning at a broadcast, you know, at yeah. a show for free. Yeah. And I was like, hey, guys, next season you're going to need to pay me because it required a lot of my time. And, you know, I'd have to get up early for call times and I'm out the night before and going to school. So they couldn't afford to pay me. So I kind of just let that go to the wayside mm. and focused on the parties and the money. Okay. And um, now I'm circling back. <clears throat> trying to, now that I've built a platform for myself, yeah. I'm I'm circling back and trying to go back to those things that really make me happy other than outside of, you know, curating events and parties um and doing it on my own terms. Now, okay, so t- you 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 start to kill the club scene in in Tampa. What made you want to expand and go to Miami? Uh boy broke my heart. Mm. And like well, that, I said, that, that'll do it. That'll yeah. make you want to leave somewhere. Yeah, so we were living together. I had his mom's engagement ring, and I thought that was the one. Mm. And, at uh, what age is this? This is at? 20. Tw- oh, no. You're too Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was working three jobs, holding him down. Wow. Like, he was an MMA fighter, had no money. Fighters don't really make money until they, they fight. Then they get a big purse. Mm-hmm. You usually, when you're that type of person and you don't have money for a while, and then you win a lot of money, you spend it. You know what I mean, and then and then you're broke, and, you're back and then you to got zero. it back. Yeah. To, yeah, so it was a vicious cycle. That year was probably like one of the worst years of my life. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know when I broke up with him. I kind of wanted to just cut it cold turkey and be strong. And that was the first time I'd ever really been in love. So I didn't think I was strong enough to live in the same city that I had built a life with someone in and do that. And it's a small circle. I had gotten him jobs working at the clubs I was at doing security and stuff for, uh, for, for celebrities and yeah, yeah. hooked him up with plies and all these people, whatever. So I was like, damn, where's the next big market I can go? And I had mentioned that I contacted my birth family when I was 18. Mm-hmm. And some of the people that were, you know, my aunt and my grandmother lived in Bow Harbor, Miami. Okay. So when I broke up with him and I was looking to move to Miami and I only had $500, my aunt was like, oh, well, you know, we have a condo on Collins right across from Bow Harbor and you can come and live here and run our boutiques. We're, we're really well off. My husband has tons of money, you know, come. I'd love to get to know you, blah, blah, blah. So... I was like, okay, easy way, and, you know, I'll, I'll just go and take Miami over now. Yeah, so, you know, that's the stuff I love to hear is about, you know, let's say somebody who's just hip to you, right, and they might just see you on Instagram, and you know these celebrities, and you're partying, and, you know, they're just like, man, this girl has it easy, or something like that. You know, they're just like, I wish I could, but people don't know that you had to step out on faith and say, I only have $500, but I'm going to try to make it happen out here. Man, you that's know? not even the... <laughs> I got there, and I met them, and they were bad people. Wow. Mm. Like, in the sense that we were at Bow Harbor grabbing lunch, and a guy came over to our table, and she was beautiful. So everywhere we went, uh, and we kind of resembled each other a little bit. She's, Mm -hmm. like, looked very young, like, you know, she was, like, 30 or something. Mm -hmm. And had a nice purse and nice cars, like like, the most money I'd seen because my family has no money. Um, so everywhere we went, we got a little bit of attention and this guy came over. He was like, sorry, really polite. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt your lunch. Um, but I just want to let you know you're so beautiful. And I was like, oh, thank you so much. You know, and he walked away and she said, oh, those N-I-G-G-E-R-S love you, huh? Whoa. Like out loud, like nothing. Oh my goodness. And I was like. 
I was like, whoa. I mean, I didn't even know what to say. And that was like the first red flag. And then, you know, a couple days later, we're walking. It's a Saturday. We're walking across the street to the mall again. And there's a lot of Jewish people walking. They're wearing yarmulkes and whatnot. Um, is that? They're called the yarmulkes, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're crossing the street, and she's like, isn't it just ridiculous how all these dumb Jews walk on Saturdays? Can you believe they just walk on Saturdays? Because it's like a thing for them. Wow. So she's just full-blown prejudice against everyone. everyone. <laughs> so I was like, oh, you know, whatever. Maybe she's old school. She's prejudiced against blacks. Then I started noticing she's prejudiced against blacks, Jews, nightlife people, Everything that she's not, yeah, she's, yeah, yeah. she was against. Wow. So I was like, I can't even be in a new place, in a new city, trying to start a new life yeah. in an environment where I'm around these these negative vibes, you know? Yeah. So at that point, I'm like below 500 bucks, you know, trying to take taxis to South Beach from 90th and Collins and the bus and all this kind of stuff to meet yeah. up with my friends, to network and go out and meet the club owners and all mm-hmm. this stuff. And I had told them prior, like, hey, guys... I'm in the nightlife industry, so I hope it's not a problem that I'm going to be coming home late, etc. She's like, no, I know people in the industry. My ex-boyfriend's the biggest promoter out there. I'll introduce you. I'll hook you up. Of course, the second night of me coming home late, it's like, what do you think this is? This isn't a hotel. You're not just going to drop your bags off and blah, 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 blah. Get out. Threw my stuff out in the rain. Wow. Literally, I'm on my way home from going out one night with my friend. And I'm stressing to my friend about how they're bad people and I don't want to be there. And I get a call from my aunt. She's like, "Um, this isn't a hotel. I want my keys back and I want you out of here. And she's like, your stuff is outside. And I'm like, but it's raining. She's like, yeah, you better come get it. And I'm like, what? And I just remember like breaking down, crying and saying to my friend, like, yo, I think I made a mistake. I should have stayed in Tampa. And just being like, what am I going to do? My friend's like, you could come stay with me. I live right there in Miami. There's a metro mover. You can apply to jobs around my place. And she was amazing. She let me borrow her clothes. She fed me. She introduced me to everyone she knew. Gave me money for the day. Like, I felt like a little bitch. <laughs> like, she would leave to go to work, and she's like, here's $20 for lunch. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And it was, like, the most frustrating time of my life because I felt like I couldn't do anything without asking for help for, from anyone. Mm. But um, it lasted for, like, a month. And then one day I went to go apply for jobs, and I got every job I applied for. Wow. And I worked at a restaurant, medical sales office, and in, in a nightclub lounge around the clock, like 18 hours a day. So I, I mean, you know, that's, that's uh, so I'm reading a, a book right now. Um, it's called, it's, it's this, like, basically this journal from this uh, guy named Marcus Aurelius. He was one of the, he's one of the, he was like an emperor in maybe Greece or something like that, like early, one of the, like, early Greek civilizations. And he just wrote to himself, um, it was in this journal, and he's a part of. He he believes in this uh, this philosophy, and it's called Stoicism. And it's like um, it's essentially. I, I'm I'm gonna butcher the explanation of it, but for those listening and for you, you should check it out because one of the things that Stoicism uh, talks about is following the path of the obstacles right so when something is hard in your life and when something's not going the way that you want it to go you know you just actually that's actually the way you should be headed and that's the thing that you should be working towards and it just seems as if with with you you know it's like you could have retreated and been like oh i'm going back to the easy tempo life but you stuck it out and you came here and you started getting into you know working at these clubs and now you've you've you're building something that's that's worthwhile and so you know, 
for people listening, it's like these are these are real life examples of people going towards the obstacle head on and facing it and trying to overcome it. So now, Jules, I want you to talk about, you know, your first nightlife job out here. You know, how did you how did you this girl from Tampa, how do, how do you start working at a club? Or how do you, how, how, what's your pitch? You know, how do you say, hey, uh, let me let me do this. You know, let me handle the VIP or let me promote here. Um, you don't because you ask for a job and people just um, disregard you because they don't know who you are. Yeah. And in Miami, it's all about who you know and who you are and what yeah, you can yeah. do for people. So for me, it was me getting lucky and... Um, one of those jobs that I told you I got was in Brickell at a place called Segafredo. Okay. A place I absolutely hated working at. I hated all the people. I didn't want to be there. But for whatever reason, I was always in a good mood at work. You know, mm. what I was at the most lowest low time in my life. But I think I was just happy to have a job. Mm. And so um, there was a customer that used to come in. And uh, he would come in during lunch. He would have meetings, whatever. And it was just like every time he came in, uh, I was in a good mood. And I think he noticed that. And um, one night, it was, a, it was a fight. Mayweather was Mayweather knocked somebody out in like the second round or something. I forget what, it, what fight that was. But it was a huge fight. It was a Saturday night. And I remember I got to work, and, they, and, the, and the managers were making a big deal about this reservation. They were like, oh, you know. Make sure nobody sat there, blah, blah, blah. When they come, walk them straight in, etc. And I'm like, all right, like, whatever, you know. And this guy comes, the guy that had always come in. He comes up and he's like, oh, uh, how's your day going today? And usually you just say, oh, it's fine and keep it moving, you know. But for mm-hmm. whatever reason, I was, like, honest. And I was like, I don't know, man. I'm tired. I want to get off of work. Like, he <laughs> didn't really care how my day was going probably, but I answered him anyways. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he was like all right, well, get off work. Come eat with us. And I was like, yeah, okay, dude. Like, I can't. I have another four-hour shift. And um, next thing you know, my manager came over and was like, hey, um, you're all done. Go ahead and eat dinner with that table over there. Mm. It was a big table he was talking about. And it turned out to be LeBron James and his friends. Um, and the guy that came was Maverick Carter. Oh, wow. So that was the person that I had become friends with, um, randomly not even knowing who he was. And, um, yeah, that was the beginning of a beautiful thing for me. It was his, it was a Saturday. We had dinner. His birthday was the next day. They were going to live on Sunday. He invited me and my friend. Also, I, uh, got her a job there. The one that I was staying with Jesse to, uh, go have brunch with them. We went to brunch the next day at a place that's not my favorite brunch place, Morgan's. And, um, he was like, Oh, you guys should come to live. I'm like, Oh, I've always wanted to go to live on Sunday. Um, and do it the right way, you know, and I knew if I was going with them, I would be doing it the right way. So we went, and, uh, I mean, Carmelo, Anthony, everyone you could possibly think of was there at the table, just popping off like crazy, buying him cakes and bottles and whatever. And I knew that he was friends with LeBron, but I still, I, I didn't ask questions. So at that point, I didn't really know who he was or what he did for mm-hmm, him. Mm-hmm. Um, and that night, I noticed the level of respect people have for him. I, I'm always really observant. Um, and I just watched how he moved and how people moved around him. And uh, I looked at him at the end of the night and I was like, yo, I, I want to work here. Because I knew that he could probably make it happen. Mm-hmm. And just as I thought, he was like, yeah, no problem. Why didn't you say something? Text the owner of the club. The owner of the club sent his right man over to meet me. Mo came, shook my hand. Nice to meet you. I, he walked away. I sent, He gave me his card. I sent him my resume on the spot. 
right before he even left the table, he got an email. I didn't think he was going to check his email to the next day, but apparently they all communicate on BlackBerry email throughout the club. Yeah. So he got his email right there, came over and was like, wow, she sent me the email. She sent me her resume already. And yeah. Maverick was like, told you. And, um, you know, I had an interview that week and I ended up getting hired, but they still didn't give me a job at Live, which is the job that I wanted. They gave me a job at this place called Arcadia. Um, and obviously I couldn't start as a manager or a promoter, which I thought maybe they would let me start as a promoter, um, but they made me start as a hostess. Now explain to people, Jules, the difference, because, you know, this is, this is a part of the story of the, and this, I think you're, you're probably like my first person on this podcast that's really in nightlife. And, um, you know, I've had some DJs on, but, but you're, you're the, one of the first people that's like, you know, really has a hand in nightlife. And a lot of things about nightlife, like everybody experiences nightlife, right? So everybody goes to clubs, everybody goes to parties, they don't know but the they politics. don't know the, and they don't know the backstory. They don't know uh-huh. the behind the scenes. They don't know how that party actually, you know, comes from, you know, hearing about it from your friend to like fruition, you know? Mm-hmm. So explain to people the, I guess the hierarchy of, you know, the difference between, a promoter, a manager, an owner, it's all, all that stuff. It's all very political. Um, obviously, the owner's at the top of the food chain, but he's probably the least hands-on person. Yeah, absolutely. So you'll... I mean, there's two different kinds of owners. There's a quiet owner that you'll barely ever see him, but he's the most powerful one still. And, uh, you know, he has one guy running the show for him. Um and nobody really knows that that's the owner of the club. And then there's other owners that are personalities and faces. And those guys are the face of the club. They're always there. They're in all the pictures. You know, they bring the celebrities. The DJs come because they're friends with them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and those are the the Richie Akivas and Dave Grutmans and Jason Strausses of the world. Um, who are the, like the top dogs in our industry. Um, and then, you know, there's always the guys that work right under them. And then there's, you know, the hosts that work right under those guys. And then... The managers, and the managers you would think are kind of like more important than the hosts, but not really because the hosts are the socialites. Those are the ones like the movers and shakers. So they kind of And those have, are the people that are interacting with the clientele. With the clientele, yeah. exactly. So the managers are kind of like the hardest working ones, but the lowest paid, making less than the hosts and at the bottom of the food chain, really. Um, and then, you know, and then there's the hostesses and the bartenders and the waitresses that just kind of have to eat shit but they make a ton of money um not the hostesses the waitresses definitely make a lot and the bartenders and the hostesses you know they just walk people to their tables in really uncomfortable shoes all night (laughs) and that was my job (laughs) yeah so So tell me about that experience you know like how how do you how do you become a good hostess and what are some of the you know like tell me like crazy stories like what are what are some of the things that you're experiencing while while doing that um a good hostess smiles. A good hostess is, I mean, you know, uh, for me, when I, if I ever own, if I ever decide I want to own a club, I'm hiring somebody good looking, whether it's a male or female, to be the hostess, because that's the first thing that represents your brand mm. that a client sees when they walk up. Um, they have to be smart, they have to be able to negotiate, they have to be able to network, and they have to be able to make a connection with people. Um, because it's either the hostess or the, waitress or the promoter that's going to get that client coming back it's not you it's not really your talent it's not really the production in the club it's the personal connections in my opinion Mm. that the people that you hire make with the clients that you want to keep coming back so um for me i was a great hostess because i made those connections um and i'm a great negotiator so i could sell 
Um, so yeah, I did that for a while and kind of just built up my Rolodex of like clients and people and athletes and celebrities. And um, I would get off at like, you know, most tables are sat by 2.30, 3, 3 a.m. the latest. Mm -hmm. And uh, my feet would be like literally bleeding and I would want to go home. And I, I still had three jobs at this point. So I'd wake up and go work at an office at eight o'clock in the morning the next day, just so I could get my own place. Cause I was tired of sleeping on that couch. Yep. And um, I'd want to go home so bad, but I knew I did not want to be hostess much longer and that I wanted to promote. So I knew the only way I could do that was by going downstairs into the party and finding it in me to turn up and make the party a better place mm. from the hours that I was off work until the hours that the club closed. And then one day down the line saying, sitting down with the manager or whoever was in charge and saying, hey, look, your numbers went up from three till this time when they would usually go down and the party would die down. Mm -hmm. um, so you were basically coming, coming down there, getting everybody amped up and just turning the place up. Yeah. Shots, <laughs> hype music, let's yeah. go DJ, let's go girls, let's dance, let's twerk, let's do this, let's do that. Yeah. Um, whatever I could to make the party a better place. Telling my friends to go to other places and then come at 3 o'clock. Mm. You know, like, I had all kinds of, like, strategies. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I yeah did but it. there's a psychology behind all this, man. It's just, it's just like any other business, you know. There's, there's definitely strategy and... and you know, best practices and all this marketing stuff that needs to go People have it. no idea. There's songs that make people spend money. There's songs that make people go home. There's, <laughs> you know what I mean? There's there's people that talk on the mic that make people want to kill themselves. And then there's people that talk on the mic that make people want to come back for more. Mm -hmm. There's lighting. There's uh, confetti. There's room placement. Room placement. You, you, you can't teach a person. You can't teach a person how to look at, walk into a room and say, you know what, the energy over here is low. Let's go put this person that has good energy at that table and make sure that the energy over there is matching the energy over here so that the dance floor continues to have people dancing on it so that we can continue to keep this party going for another 45 minutes. Yeah, yeah. It's hard, and people think that it's just like this magical like circus that just happens on its own, but it's not. There's puppeteers, yeah. there's clowns, there's all kinds of... Uh, things that go into it yeah there's a whole you know cast and crew um so all right so you know when at what moment are you like you know what i want to start throwing my own parties and then how how did that even how did that even begin um i always wanted to throw my own parties i just didn't have the chance to mm -hmm. um because it's all politics as i said so basically one of the people that i worked with at the door there the doorman his brother was chris Picello. Um, who was the face of the Delano and opening, uh, which was opening up or reopening what was once the Florida Room. So the Florida Room is now FDR. Okay, okay. And he That's was like, hey. That's where you do the Monday party. Yeah. And he was like, hey, um, you know, uh, I don't know if you've ever thought of throwing your own parties because I obviously didn't know or trust any of these people I was working with, so I didn't tell them my master plan. Yeah. <laughs> So he's like, I don't know if you've ever thought about throwing parties, but you know, you seem to know a lot of people at this point. I, I know, you, I know you love being downstairs in the room. You've mm -hmm. asked to live in story a couple times. They've shot you down. Um, why don't you meet with my brother? He's putting together a team for his new party, his new club, and I think maybe something good could come from it. So mm -hmm. I'm like, all right, cool. I'll go meet with your brother. I didn't do my research. Had no idea who I was going to meet with. Walked into the meeting. I was the only girl there. I was the youngest person there. The only person that had never promoted before. Um, 
And I knew that I was the best person in the room immediately. Uh, I don't know, I just knew. And um, he knew too, and he kind of took me under his wing and uh, taught me, like, let me just be around. Like, he would invite, he would be going to have a dinner meeting with someone, and he would invite me. I mean, obviously, I think it helps that I'm, I'm a cute piece to add to a table, you know what I mean? Um, so that works to my advantage. But also, I always had something smart and witty to say. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I was allowed to go to the places with him that he was going that most people wouldn't have access to. Mm -hmm. And I was really observant and um, kind of just took that year to, to build up. And slowly but surely, I went from bringing 15 people to 20 people to 30 people to people were only coming to the party because I was there. Yeah. <clears throat> and once I realized that, I was like, hey, um, I want this to be my party. You know, I don't want to make $200 a night anymore. I want a percentage of the sales. Yep. And um, there was already somebody who was getting a percentage of the party, and I was outdoing their numbers by a landslide. And so it took a while, but finally they let him go, and um, they gave me the party. And that's when I was like, all right, it's my party, my, my mic. I'm booking my DJs that I want to book. I'm taking it to the branding and marketing into my hands and I'm going to be really hands-on um, whereas the, the last person didn't really do that they let the hotel make the flyers uh, pick yeah. the talent all kinds of stuff I'm like my party doesn't just mean I'm going to take the check it means I'm going to make it my party and I yeah. want it to be my vibe my kind of fun um, and the numbers went from you know I mean FDR is a small room so I, I, I'm not going to say specifics but I doubled the numbers yeah, within yeah. a month. Wow, that's amazing. And I mean, and still now, I mean, it's it's you know, whenever I'm in Miami, I'm and I'm here on a Monday, I'm stopping through, man, because that joint is popping. It's so it's amazing. Very fun. It's very fun. Very FDR is like really near and dear to me because it was the first, it was my first shot, mm -hmm. and it's still growing. Yeah. And it's still, it's like my baby. It's like, you know, it's like a kid, and you can you can dress it how you want and teach it and and watch it grow and. It's like a plant that you can water and feed, mm -hmm. and um, I don't know. I just have so much fun with it. Like I never feel twerkathons all day too. Yeah, uh, and that was just incredible. something like an accident. You yeah. know, I mean, nothing's an accident, I believe. But it was just, you know, Mokai had Mokai Mondays, Mansion had Mansion Mondays, and I noticed that FDR was like a place that people would stop by and then go hop around to other places. I was okay. like, dude, how can I change this formula? Like, we are not the place that you stop by for a drink and then go somewhere else. Like, I need to change this. So one night, I felt like people were about to leave. You could feel it in the room if there's oh, somebody yeah, yeah, like yeah. me, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, yo, the energy's dying. It's only 1.30. What am I going to do? So I grabbed the mic and I was like, I'm giving out bottles and a table to whoever could dance the best in this room. Who could twerk it out the best? Mm -hmm. And ladies came to the dance floor and I improvised the whole thing. I had the girls, I'm like, how am I picking the, I'm in my head, I'm like, how am I picking the winner? And I'm like, oh, I'm going to get the audience involved. Audience, I'm going to let you choose. Boom. Next thing you know, the audience I was walking out decided to stay. Um, and that became a selling point for, for us. And the next week, I was only going to do it that one time. Never wanted to brand it or take it anywhere. And the next week, girls were like, hey, are you doing a twerkathon today? Mm. And I was like, well, why yes, sweetheart? <laughs> we sure are. Yep, yep. And, uh, you know, I started pushing the twerkathon back. So now the twerkathon's at 2 o'clock, 2.30. And people are staying later to be a part of it and witness it. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a it's a great thing. It's definitely <laughs> a great thing. Um, so you know, all right, Jules. You know, one thing I, that I definitely want to talk to you about is 
how social media and you know the internet plays a role in in your career and, and everything that you do, right? Because one thing that you told me uh, a time before that we met, you said um, you said that uh, you know you post you know what people like, mm -hmm. and and you know you've been able to cultivate um, this sort of digital following, but it also uh, resonates in a in a real and personal thing when people come to your events. So how does how does social media play a role in in the things that that you're doing? I think there should be a class on social media in school. Mm. I think that that's where our generation is going. Mm -hmm. You could say as many negative things as you want about it. However, what's the first thing you do when you wake up? You check your phone. Mm -hmm. What do you check? You check your messages, your Twitter, your Instagram, your email, um, your Snapchat now. And there's always going to be a new something new. And from a marketing standpoint, you could pay to put your ad in a magazine. You can pay to put your and on the radio, but radio's dying. Magazines get looked at once and thrown away. Instagram gets checked every hour for some people who are obsessed with it. Mm -hmm. So you have a platform as a person trying to create a brand, and a brand could be anything. A brand could be, this is this is a brand, the candle that's light, lit right here, I'm a brand. You can make yourself a brand, you can make just about anything a brand if you know how to do it. And so... You can you have an avenue to constantly put content in people's faces that's not annoying that they're choosing to look at and it's free. Mm -mm. How people can disregard that as something that needs to be taught is insane to me. It's like, you know, it might sound stupid, but it's like, you know, one day I do want to go around and talk to, to schools and do a seminar on social media because I feel like I'm going to be at that point where I'm like a social media maverick or maven or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. And sounds like Norma woke up. <laughs> and um, I just think that here's a good example. Angela Simmons has like a million followers on Instagram, right? We both, I have a hundred and whatever thousand. <clears throat> we both get free jewelry from a company that's based out of here in Miami. The jewelry company is willing to give me more free jewelry than they're willing to give Angela for a post because they get more feedback from my posts than from her posts. How is that possible when she has nine hundred thousand more people following her than I do? Mm -hmm. Well, it's not all about it's not all about followers. It's, it's about not. engagement. Exactly, that's what I'm getting to. Is mm -hmm. that it's all about engagement? So you know, it's one thing to post selfies. It's one thing to post something with like a cool caption or whatever. Mm -hmm. But we are making friends with people we don't even know. We're starting to learn people's lives more than the people in our lives even, more so through social media than anything else. So I could follow you and, and the DC, BC to DC blog and Modi and your friends and I know that these are your boys, you're a group of friends, you all used to live in the same place and throw and throw a festival together. You all also do your, your own things on the side and, and that you like to do a film and um, you know Modi likes to blog about music and I can know all these things without even knowing you through only following you from a distance. Mm. And I feel like I'm your friend. I feel like I'm a part of what you're doing. If you make me feel like it. Yeah. So yeah. if you let me in. So that's why there's certain models 
or hot girls that they post like, you know, half naked pictures. And believe me, I love women just as much as you do. So I'm going to look at them all day, but I'm not going to be as excited to see that girl in person as I'm going to be to see you are one of the members of your clique because I feel like I know who you are, I know who your friends are, I know the projects you're working on, and I've watched you, I'm, I'm invested in watching you grow. Mm. I'm invested in watching you succeed and seeing your triumphs and your failures and watching you lose weight and watching you do this. And so basically for me, I allow my following into my life. I've made a conscious decision to share a majority of my life. And it doesn't work for everybody. Mm -hmm. Not everybody has an interesting life. Not everybody has creative, cool, fun ways of sharing their interesting life. And, you know, I've kind of just developed, like, a niche language. I've developed, uh, you know, sometimes I just know. I don't know how to explain it. I yeah. know when a picture needs a one-word caption. I know when a picture needs an explanation. Mm -hmm. I know what kind of explanation is going to get the most feedback. And sometimes I get surprised. You mm -hmm. know, sometimes I'll drop a flyer and, like... Today, I dropped a flyer, and usually a flyer, compared to other pictures, like I'll get 400 to 500 likes on a flyer as opposed to like 5,000 likes on a picture because <clears throat> people don't want to see flyers. Yeah, people hate flyers. Yeah. They hate flyers. <laughs> However, J. Cole dropped his album today, so I dropped my J. Cole flyer today. And I was like, surprise, see you on New Year's. And I got, I think I'm at 1,000 likes now and like 100 comments. Mm-hmm. So it's like people are interested in J. Cole right now because he dropped his album today. So they're tagging their friends like, yo, New Year's yeah, yeah, or no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like <laughs> all kinds of interaction on that flyer. And I'm like, whoa. I'm like, look, Delano. Like you should have sent out your email blast today with the flyer. I hope you did because yeah. it's hot right now. Like, mm -hmm. you know, um, so it's weird. It's a, it's a science and you have to get it down and it takes time and trial and error. And it's constantly growing and it's constantly changing. Changing and, all the and, time. And, and I mean, I think that's the beauty of it. I have a question for you. Do you ever think, or or is there anything that is off limits? Because one thing, I mean, one one of the networks that you're a beast at, and when I say beast, ladies and gentlemen, if you're not following, <laughs> yes, Jules on Snapchat. My God. This, this, this is this is the queen of Snapchat right here. Um, but yeah, you know, is there is there and and I see you post a lot, you know. So it'll be like, like you said, ups and downs, triumphs, failures. You know, you'll you'll you almost feel like, you know, you're like people are right in your life. Mm -hmm. Is there ever a, a you know what's off limits for you? This is something I'm struggling with. Um, I struggle with it with Norma. Mm -hmm. You know, um, she tells you know her and some of my friends are like Jules. Really? You Snapchat everything. Like, <clears throat> at what point... Like, you don't need to tell people that. At what point are you going to not share certain things? And um, at first, it was just... I was just sharing the good stuff. Just sharing the fun stuff. Just showing the twerkathons and blah, 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 blah. As my, growing, as my following started to grow, I started to get a lot of feedback from people mm -hmm. all over the world. Um, and it's like, wow, your life looks so fun. Like, I want to go... I want to drop out of college and be a party promoter. I want to move to Miami. I don't want to be in finance anymore. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, whoa, 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 like pause. These people really think that <laughs> this is all it is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, and the reason why I like Snapchat in the first place was because it's fast, it's handy, it's genuine, and mm -hmm. it's raw. It's in the moment. And it's like you get it in that 24 hours or you miss it. So yeah. you either hop on or you, or you miss the train. 
So for me, it was more authentic and organic than Instagram because I feel like on Instagram and Twitter and whatever, you could say and post whatever you want and make yourself look like whatever you want to be, which could be good for some people if used the right way and bad for other people. But then I noticed that I was kind of turning Snapchat into the same thing those other things were if I didn't decide to show not only the ups, but the downs as well. Mm. So I'm like, okay, I'm not just going to show my parties. I'm going to show the meetings, the walkthroughs, the arguments with my partner. The <clears throat> I'm not just going to show me getting a job. I'm going to show me getting that job and being excited about an $80,000 contract and then me crying when my background check comes back and I can't take that job because I have a mishap from my past mm. that's preventing them from hiring me. Yeah, And maybe... The young people that are watching this will learn from my mistake and think down the road like, oh, you know, even though I'm not going to be a doctor or a lawyer or whatever, I can still be affected by something like a DUI down the road because there are companies that won't hire me no matter how many years have gone by because that's a blemish that you can't wipe off. Mm-hmm. So, and I, and, and I did, and I shared that, and I got an enormous amount of feedback, and I noticed that I get more feedback sometimes on the negatives than the positives because not everybody's living a a 90% happy-go-lucky life 90% of the time, you know? People people are sad. People are struggling. People are fed up. People are stressed out. And they can connect more with people who share those same emotions with them. So... I'm not going to lie, I'm rarely ever any of those things. I'm, I'm very blessed and I love what I'm doing. And because I love what I'm doing, everything in life seems to just flow for me. But there is a 10% of the time where things go wrong. I'm stressed out, I'm overwhelmed, I'm tired, I don't always want to turn up. And, you know, I need to share those moments because if not, then I'm just like these idols that I'm criticizing. You know, like the reality show stars that are out there, the singers Mm -hmm. and celebrities that are out there that are photoshopping their pictures and warping women's perceptions of themselves and warping perceptions of what what a celebrity really goes through and what their life is really like. And so I don't ever want to be that. So for me, although it's going to be a dangerous journey, I decided to 100% share everything. Mm, That's interesting. You know... um... Is there is there any uh, is there any strategy that you have in this social media journey? You know, like what are some of the things that you know you know work and some of the things that you know don't work? And give me examples on like different networks. There's always strategy. Everything I do, I'm strategic about. Mm-hmm. Even if I post a picture of a candle. It's because I post too many promo pictures the day before, and I know I have three more promo pictures to post the day ne- the next day. So I'm like, let me throw a random pic in there just to make them happy and feel like I'm not always promoting something. Mm-hmm. So even that random pic is strategic, um, and I think you should always be that way, not not in a sneaky way, but in in a, just a smart way that you're building your empire and you need to be smart. Um, but. With, I don't know. I mean, it's different with every platform. With Twitter, you're sharing your thoughts and your feelings. With Instagram, you're sharing photos, moments. Um, 
and, and they have to be cool and curated and filtered and looking, they have to have a look to them. Your Instagram has to have its style, right? Mm. With Snapchat, you don't really need to have a style. You could. I know a couple people who have a great style and you'd probably appreciate them. And Modi put me on to like Casey Neistat. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, and uh-huh. he has a particular way of filming. He's really cool. And I try and emulate him, but I always forget because I'm always in the moment. Mm-hmm. So instead of like making something look cool and filming it with my finger in front of the, the, the film and it, making it look like the person's on the journey with me, I just kind of forget and always do the selfie type video and put people in there and just say, hey, say hi to the snap. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I brand the snap in my own way. Like, I, I'm really good with coming up with taglines. I'm really good with coming up with, like, hashtags that stick and work. And so I noticed never not working, taking off. I noticed Rome to Yonsei. I literally made a joke and was like, working out to a Beyonce song, I'm like, oh, I'm on my road to Beyonce. And then I started using it. And now there's ladies in Dubai on treadmills sending me videos, hashtag road to Beyonce. Well, you know, it's because the stuff like that is, uh, you know, things that a lot of people can connect to. It's mm-hmm. not just, you know, so sometimes people will use hashtags or marketing schemes or whatever that sort of just affect them, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And, and, it's, and it's very, like, self-absorbed. But I think with you, it's a lot of things that you're doing and you're sharing there's this welcoming vibe it's, it's like uh you're inviting people and not mm-hmm. like excluding people and that's i think that's really cool yeah and that's what i mean that's why i feel like my love is like uh, my life is filled with like an abundance of like love mm-hmm. and joy because i'm always like hey yeah when i meet people i'm not like how can i i, I meet people and i'm like how can I use this person and how can they use me? Mm-hmm. How can we work together? How can we collaborate? Every single time I introduce Norma to somebody, I'm like, this is my partner. She's a blogger. She knows about all the cool music. Uh, you know, um, she knows about all the cool stuff before I do and I'm kind of just a hype man. You know, I play her strengths and let them decide whether or not they can somehow work with her. Or my yeah. hairstylist, if she's out with me, I'm like, oh, this is my friend Eva. She does my hair. Shout she out cuts to Eva. in colors. You know, shout mm-hmm. out to Eva. You know, so, and Eva will tell you, she gets super annoyed by it <laughs> because you know how Eva is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was very, it was very like, <laughs> Eva's like Daria uh, in be, real life. Yeah, you know? I, I, I can't be bothered with and she admi- <laughs> And she admits it. And, 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 and I think she gets annoyed, but at the end of the day, maybe she, she really loves me for it. And she said that, you know? So I'll be like, you know, she kind of wants nothing to do with that kind of stuff, networking and meeting people. But she's in an industry that's all about networking and meeting people. Absolutely. You're a yeah. hairstylist. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, Eva, let's get you business cards. Let's put your business cards in my gift bags for my dinner that I'm doing for the 30 most influential women in Miami so that they can all know about you and your hair services. And let's give them 10% off and try and get you 30 new banging clients that know a ton of people and have platforms. Yep, yep. And uh, she'll be like, all right, Jules. I feel you the know? same way. It's so funny. Man, my barber is like the same way, man. My barber <laughs> in L.A., he's the man. He cuts so many people's hair. He's incredible. But, like, this man doesn't have an Instagram. And I'm like, what, so are what, doing, what are you doing, bro? Like, what are you doing? You already cut so many people's hair. Imagine and like, if you had a platform. You're to sweet. Get more. Yeah, it's just like, come on, yo. Ugh, but but not everybody thinks like us, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, not everybody gets it. Yeah. And so that's why. Um, you know, I just like to, well, because excluding people, all you're doing is putting yourself on an island. Yeah. You're yeah. putting yourself on an island. And if you're on an island and you don't have people there, I mean, 
people can always have their own perceptions. People, I'm, I'm contradicting myself in my mind right now because I'm like, oh, well, if you're on an island and you invite a bunch of people, then you're going to run out of resources. <laughs> you know, some people can think that way, mm -hmm. but then there's people like me and you that probably think, hey, if I'm on an island and I invite everybody to this awesome island with me, we can, there's an unlimited amount of resources that we can get by building a boat together because we'll have enough man hands to build this boat out of wood and, yeah. and, and paper, papyrus and whatever else and Freaking, we'll, we'll go float on to another island and get food and bring it back. And Populate we're building that our own one. Yeah. colony. <laughs> and the next thing you know, we own six islands. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, we're the king of our islands, you know. Yeah. So the, everybody thinks different ways. And yeah. eventually, to me, if you're on an island and you don't invite enough people, you're going to run out of resources whether you're on that island alone or not. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think, you know, one thing I really agree with you is just, you know, providing value to people. I mean, I think that I was telling this to my friends. I think that if you're a person that is invaluable, right? And 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 people need you and people, you know, you enhance the lives of others. It's really like you can never be in a bad scenario. You can never be broke. You can never I mean, you can be broke like monetarily, but you know, if you have if if you help out people and enhance the lives of other people, when you're down, those people are going to do the exact same thing for you. You know what I mean? And it's just going to, it's like a cycle. So I always like to think about my career, decisions that I make, everything with, you know, one of the, the, one of the main things in mind is like, how, how is this helping other people? You know, and how is this, how am I being of service to other people in my life and other people that I work with and all of that? You know, it's not just about me winning. You know, it's about because essentially it's just like when somebody else wins, you win at the same time, you know, so. Exactly. Um, go ahead. No, I, somebody interviewed me the other day and was like, you know, yeah, I, I bet you deal with a lot of people using you. Like, how do you deal with that? And I was like, I use people, too. Yeah. People use me to get in the club, and if they work at a gym, I use them to work out for free. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's I get people in the club, reciprocal. and then I want free hats and sweatshirts and whatever else, you know? Yeah, so it's yeah. like, it's not necessarily using people, it's being resourceful, mm -hmm. it's being collaborative, it's knowing what you offer and what you bring to the table, and knowing what other people offer and what other people bring to the table. Yeah. And then knowing that if somebody can't offer anything, that one day you're going to be that person that can't offer anything. And so you should always give when it's not taking from you and hope that that karma sticks with you so that one day when you have nothing to give, people who do that are around you give to you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, lastly, Jules, what what are some of your goals? Whatever, uh, where are you, for instance, you know, uh, to me, it's like when I when I look at, and I'm sure people have told you this before, but when I look at your Snapchat, right, it feels like a reality show. It feels like my own little version of, you know, what. And I don't even like reality shows. I'd rather watch your Snapchat than a real reality show. Uh, maybe it's because it's a little more raw and and you know edgy, I guess. Um, but is is that a route you're trying to go? Like, what, what, give me give me some of the the goals that you have for you so know. So if you if you watch the snap, you'll see I had a. Um camera crew following me yeah, yeah, I saw that. Um, I feel like reality show is such a negative term. Mm -hmm. And it's a negative term because it started off as something that was supposed to be a show that's real based off of reality, but it never was. Mm -hmm. It was always scripted, directed, 
drama was added, you know, casts were put together that never really would have been together. And so I don't want that stigma. I don't want to lose the respect of my peers, I, which are all frowned upon reality TV. And so I would say, yes, I want to be on television for my own reasons because I want the attention of the world to, to be able to implement the changes that I want to make. Mm. Um, but do I want to do it in a reality show? Uh, no. I'd rather call it like a docu-series. Um, that's why I love... People have been telling me since I started Snapchat, you should vlog, you should make YouTube videos. And I'm like, no, I shouldn't. Because I'm not going to sit in front of a computer and edit a video and put it on Snapchat. It's easy. It's on the go. I can do this. I can put people who are famous on the Snapchat and they know it's not going to go viral. It's deleting in 24 hours. Mm -hmm. It's a safe place. Um, and that's why I love Snapchat. Um, however, I think that there are some really freaking cool moments that I had on my snap that I wished <laughs> that I could have turned into an episode or something yeah, like yeah, yeah. my stories in Brazil or, you know, like, I mean, just so many crazy things that have happened that, that I've been on the snap. And so I think a docu-series would be cool. Um, because it's like, I'm trying to build something, right? And mm -hmm. all the questions you just asked me are legitimate questions that people email me all the time. How'd you start? What are your, what's your advice to me? What do you have to say about social media, et cetera, et cetera? And I think that people just enjoy seeing an underdog or, or not even an underdog. People enjoy watching something be, be, be built in front of their eyes. They mm -hmm. want to know how things work. And so imagine if when Puff was building Bad Boy, he documented it. Yeah. Imagine when Oprah was trying to get own, if she made a TV show about her trying to get her own TV show or whatever, mm. you know? And so that's my vision. I would like to incorporate Snapchat because it's another point of view. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to have shots, a show with, with shots of me at my parties that were taken by the camera crew and then save some of my snaps that I took while in the twerkathon and incorporate those into the show and then maybe even draw over certain scenes and use the arrows and the mm -hmm. emojis and make it look like one big Snapchat. Yeah. That's kind of uh, my idea right now and that's what I'm doing. And we got some really amazing footage over Basil Week. Couldn't have picked a better time to film. And... Um, these poor guys have about 80 hours of footage to go through mm -hmm. and piece together a 30-minute pilot. So um, we'll begin that very tedious, painful process, but fun, I'm sure, next week. And um, I've had a couple people reach out to me. I've turned down a lot of networks for dumb shows like freaking, oh my god, anything from like Rich Kids of Miami to oh, like no. South Beach Promoters to like oh. all these, yeah, exactly, <laughs> same re response I had, and believe yeah. it or not, even though I had that response, I still considered all of them, because, of course, yeah. you know, it's like that little pot of gold that you think like, oh, but maybe, maybe I can make it cool, maybe I could be the first person to really make reality shows cool, and it's like, no, if you're not in control, and you can't control the content, and you can't be, the, be a part of the creative process, you can't make anything different than what's already been done. Yeah, and you know, another thing, I, I, th I think it's, it's very important to know what you want to do and set goals for yourself. And not only, not only so you know 
the path that you're uh, that you should be on, but also so you know the the path that you shouldn't be on. Exactly. So the, the, the things that you need to say no to are just as important as the things you need to say yes to. I have a problem with that, mm. and I'm, I'm it's a process, and I'm learning. I always want to say yes. Yes, Jules. Um, this exactly. is exactly. <laughs> I always want to please everyone and say yes, and I noticed that. It's gotten me very tired. Mm -hmm. It has taken up a lot of my time. There's a lot of projects I've, I've said yes to that I probably, I mean, nothing's hurt me, luckily. I've never made a, like, a mistake big enough to really affect my career, but it's just straining. Mm -hmm. So now it's getting to a point where like people are like, oh, hey, let's meet up. I want to talk about this. I want to talk about that. And I don't mean to big time anybody. Mm -hmm. and, and people can say that I am or that whatever. Maybe it's like, oh, you say somebody, somebody doesn't have time to meet with you. Do you think that they're letting something get to their head? It's like, no, that person's busy and they're focused and they have certain things that they want to work on and they can't start new things right now. Yeah, absolutely. Or, you know, it, it's just time is more valuable to me at this point. And so it's like, no, I can't meet with you about the concert you want to put together because I'm working on my own concert or because I'm hosting a different one or whatever the case may be. I don't have time to do all these new projects. Mm -hmm. No, I can't fly to Canada and host your party um, because... Uh, even though the money's good, that's me flying to Canada, and that's taking a toll on my on my sleep. That's taking a toll on me not being home, not feeling like I'm in my environment. My productivity goes goes down. Yeah. You know, it's all these factors that come into play, and these are literally things that I'm I'm getting the hang of learning about and saying within the past few months. Mm -hmm. So a couple months, I'm a totally different person now than I was three months ago, and I'll be another person next month. And you'll continue to grow. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I'm very interested in seeing your growth. And I'm I'm glad that we've connected, man. I'm Me just, too. I'm this excited. Is, to this is good. And I'm just glad that I met you, Norma, thing. everybody, all the you know the Miami crew and Cirque. I'm glad we linked. I feel like their, you their... guys are the us of DC. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. yeah. And views of Miami. And who knows yeah. what will happen when we all come together? Nah, yeah. Know? It's gonna be crazy. It's gonna be crazy. So, uh, Jules, let people know where they can find you on the internet, social media, everywhere. All right, so as I said before, I'm Yes Jules. Um, my site is up, yesjules.com, but the official launch where it's going to be extremely next level and to my expectations is on the first okay. of the new year. So you'll be able to see a big change then. But um, uh, in between now and then, it's there, and so is my Instagram, my Twitter, and my Snapchat, and they're all Yes Jules. Let me put my hoodie on before you take a flick. <laughs> No, this is uh this is a video. Oh, okay. um, so keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, yes jewels, they're all the same. Uh branding. That's another suggest another suggestion. Keep it all uniform. Yep. Make it easy for people to find you. And uh yeah, that's it. All right, man. Thanks uh, for having me. Thank you so much. You guys know uh let me give you a few updates. Let's see here. Um, you guys know Colors, New York. We're having a break. It's too cold in New York City right now, so it's only in L.A., but New York will be back very soon. The next one is going to be January 2nd. Um, you guys know uh, the Sprite stuff I've been working on. We've got some big stuff coming up in New York for All-Star Weekend, so you guys can go to YouTube.com slash Sprite. Check out all the videos that I've been producing for those guys. Um, and, yeah, more podcasts definitely coming. Subscribe, soundcloud.com slash Jabari, and in the iTunes store. Leave comments. Um, tell your friends about it. And you guys know that you can go to patreon.com and leave as little as a $1 tip for the Words with Friends podcast. Uh, man, check out everything Jules is doing. Stay tuned, please. She's got so much stuff going on. 
Is this the snap? Yeah, I'm snapping you. What up, snap? Jabari J on the snap, for those that don't know. Um, And, yeah, this has been another edition of Words with Friends, guys. All right, peace.